Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling-Biru. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me here from the Santa Barbara Film Festival. One of the very powerful films here at the fest is Lyra, a beautiful doc about the life and death of the 29-year-old renowned Northern Irish investigative journalist Lyra McKee. The film is directed by BAFTA-winning Alison Miller, who I was honored to get a chance to speak to here at the fest, and the executive producers are Hillary Rodham Clinton and Chelsea Clinton. In 2019, reporter Lyra McKee was covering a news story when she was shot dead by a new IRA gunman during a riot in Derry. Lyra McKee, at 29, was already an award winner for her work investigating Northern Ireland's high teen suicide rates in the wake of the Good Friday Agreement. She'd recently been included in Forbes magazine's influential 30 Under 30, and her investigation into the disappearance of several young people in the early days of the Troubles was due to be published in a book called The Lost Boys. She was an LGBTQ plus activist, full of humanity and humor, and she was the documentary director Alison Miller's good friend, actually due to come over for dinner the next day. I spoke to Miller at the Santa Barbara Film Festival about Lyra and making this powerful doc. First, here is the trailer. Hello? Testing, testing. My name is Lara McKee. I'm a freelance journalist from Northern Ireland. My passion in life is for investigative journalism. (laughs) We were only there for eight minutes from start to finish. I turned to Lara to say, let's move up further because I think they're going to rush. And she wasn't there. My heart just broke there and then. She'd been killed. Police investigating the murder of journalist Lyra McKee. Police blame the so-called new IRA. Happened on the 21st anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. I'm trying to piece together what happened. You're coming with me on the journey as I try to find answers. After a 30-year winter of violence, Northern Ireland has the promise of peace. The truth is what actually happened, and the narrative is what everyone thinks happened. Lyra was certain that 35 years of conflict had an effect on this society. Our young people have been left behind. I am the most annoyingly curious person I know. (laughs) She would become what she wrote about. Brick walls aren't there to keep you out. They're there to see how badly you want it. It has to change. That's what Lyra was writing about. 
and now we have to do that for her. I think it's better to go down fighting. I need more time to keep asking questions. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Alison. Um, who is Lyra? So Lyra uh, McKay was a 29-year-old journalist from Belfast, and she uh, had just signed a two-book deal with Faber and Faber, and was a rising star of, uh, of Irish uh, on the Irish uh, writing scene. And she was killed on the 18th of April, 2019, and she was also one of my best friends. It must have been incredibly difficult you to decide to do this movie. It took a long time, actually, because her and her girlfriend were to come to my house for dinner the next night. And late, I'd been in touch with her that evening before she was um, shot because Nancy Pelosi had, had been in um, Derry visiting because it was the anniversary, 21st anniversary of the Good Friday Peace Agreement. And they were there all talking about how amazing, no guns in the streets. And then um, she was killed later that evening. So it took a lot of soul searching in many ways because I wanted to do something. But it was her, really her sister and her partner, Sarah, who said to me, she'd only want you to make the film. And, and it was hard. And then I think what was even harder was we decided, my editor who cut a film called For Sama, she's called Chloe Lamborn, she's amazing. Uh, we decided to go the hardest route possible because we discovered her dictaphones. So we really wanted Lyra to narrate her own story. So we set off on that structure of of allowing the audience to be with her very much when she was very much alive in a way um, and um, that was hard so li- listen to her voice every single day and cutting it was hard but not really as hard as my f- f- fear of not getting it right for her that was worse so has her family seen it and oh, they've been in me f- I worked really closely with her family and um, her partner from the beginning so every time I cut a scene or we tried to find a voice from a dictaphone they came to the cutting room and we did it together and they saw the film early on and um, really early on and have been with me every step of the way and actually it's they're all messaging me today because they're so delighted we're all delighted to be here it's really wonderful but they're so happy it's brought... Well, Nick and her, they both say that watching the film allows them to spend time with her again. She's very much alive for such a long 60, 70 minutes of the film. So they come and watch. They've been to Q&As. They've been everywhere with me. So it makes them feel close to her again. Can you talk to me a little bit about her work, her writing and her impact? Well, she um, definitely, I suppose in my opinion, but I think people have written about her since. She was a fearless investigative journalist and she really wanted to try and find, you know, people who'd not had a voice. She really wanted to give them a voice. She really did. She wrote a lot about, she was a child that was born after the ceasefires. Uh, She was, well, sorry, she was born in 94, but she was called a ceasefire baby in many ways in Northern Ireland because peace came and there were promises made about how things would change. And um, she wrote a lot about intergenerational trauma because she saw around her suicide, which was a fallout after 30 years of violence. It skipped a generation. There were young people feeling that nobody really tackled that, this huge epidemic of suicide in young people. So she wrote about that. That piece was posted in, um, was for the Mosaic and the Atlantic. So she had written quite a lot about those sort of areas she wrote about. Um, LGBTQ rights 
uh, and challenged that as well. And the last thing she was doing, um, which was a two-book deal she signed for Faber and Faber, was a story about the Lost Boys, about two young boys who, in the middle of the Troubles in 1970s, went to a bus stop and they vanished. So she was looking for them to see what happened to them and that had been optioned for a movie. So that had happened all within the past sort of three months before she was killed. And the day she was killed, she was going to meet you and make lasagna? She was. She was going to come to my house with her. Um, there's another really incredible author called Anna Burns, who won the Booker Prize about her book set in Belfast. Another colleague is an investigative journalist. We were all going to have an Easter dinner together. So the last message I had that day was about 4.30 in the afternoon. And then the rioting broke out and she was there and um, was was killed. Someone brought a gun on the streets and pointed at a crowd and it was Lyra. Mm. It was a stray, it was... Yeah, some, there's so many conspiracy theories that because she did dig into some dark stories of the past that she was targeted. She wasn't, it was a, a gunman from the new IRA, which is a paramilitary organisation that has no support, really poor support. No one wants this. No one wants any more violence on the streets. We've had enough. So they brought a gun out and fired at a police vehicle. And um, Lyra was, a, you know, it was an accident. It, well, you shouldn't fire into a crowd, but I mean, at the same time. But it wasn't, she wasn't targeted. None of us believe that. It's just that she was, and very much... I think the film's full of hope because people leave the cinema kind of, even though she's not with us, she's with us so much in the film. And I've people have written to me afterwards and said, I'm going to write that book now. She's inspirational. She's such an incredible inspiration to a generation. And she's, I mean, I met a lady there queuing for tickets um, and she said, oh, I've, bu- I've bought Lyra's book. So I was kind of taken aback. It was amazing. Yeah, I read an article at- what could it be? 2019, like in the New Yorker or something mm-hmm. that really, right. really got to me. Susan um, McKay's article, yeah. yeah. How was her death um, or her killing taken by, you know, public officials and, and such? It's kind of interesting. I think there was such a shock went from the whole island of Ireland, north and south, and even further beyond. There was such a shock and such an outrage to her killing. It was her. She had this funeral that suddenly prime ministers and presidents and diplo- people flew in and it was a really strange time because I was at her house with her mum and her, her when her remains were brought home in Ireland we we wake bodies which is a very famous tradition where the, the, the coffin's laid out and everybody comes and pays respects for three days traditionally so I was in the house man it helped on the family because the world's media were literally at the front door it was very bizarre and her little mum was in her wheelchair, like wheeling up and down, stroking her daughter's hair. And and now we were all kind of dealing with this crazy um, thing that happened and this tragedy. But at the same time, we all look back now, none of us kind of can deal with it. But there was mass outrage and people, the funeral was enormous. It was played on British television, you know, live, streamed as a live event. It's kind of odd, but then... You know, when that all goes away, the government, our uh, government is still not, uh, the assembly's still not sitting, so we don't have a functioning government at the moment yet again. So when there's a political vacuum, trouble can happen. And unfortunately, there are paramilitary groups out there that still, even though we're on the eve of the 25th anniversary of base, there still are, you know, right, there's still groups who still think that a gun is an answer and it's not. So I guess 
the film really had had a big effect on a younger audience because people really did watch it and think Lyra was right. She was writing about the future, about changing things, about having difficult conversations. So rather than fall out with the person who's got the pain that's a poor opposite of yours, sit with them and have a difficult conversation. What did you learn about her listening to her f- talk through her recordings? I think I didn't realise... I knew she was brilliant, but I didn't realise how brilliant she was. And I think listening to her recordings and reading her books, because so many written words, so much of her written word throughout the film as well, that I think she was so far ahead of her time. And I think she was selected as Forbes 30 under 30 and stuff when she was like about... I think it's about 24. So they did see a rising star then. Um, and I think there's kind of like a strange thing that she, not, she's not that she was a prophet, but there was things she wrote about that are happening and just happening now. And it's kind of eerie, like even that she had a dream the night before that she was shot. She told her sister she had this incredibly vivid dream. They were shot and it felt really real. And that's kind of hard, you know to deal with but no I think she leaves an incredible legacy a legacy that you know we're doing a lot of impact work the film will be shown later in the year it's I think April they're going to April they're going to be shown at the United Nations we're showing it at um, European Court of um, in, in Strasbourg we're showing it in London at various things it's been going to Reporters Without Borders have memorialised Lyra with Mary Colvin and some other people in a beautiful garden in Bayou so they're doing you know some stuff this year because of it coming up to the anniversary of peace because you know nobody wants any we don't want violence anymore and your executive producer is Hilary Rodham Clinton yes she's one of those a few mm-hmm. um, how did that come about well, it's quite interesting, actually, because um, it's kind of... I started making the film for Channel 4, and then it became a larger film. I had to fundraise a lot of money to make it happen, which is with a lot of really kind people came along. And then my exec at Channel 4, Siobhan, took up a new job with Hillary's production company, Hidden Light. And then I'd already f- pretty much finished the film, and she started working. Then she said, I got this email saying, Hillary, Bill and Chelsea would like to see your film. Well, you know when you read something three times and you think, is this really true? You know, (laughs) I know that sounds a bit crazy, but, you know. I also, because Bono put money into the films, I had an email from Bono would like to watch her film. And then I had a voicemail from Liam Neeson who gave me money, which I'm going to keep forever because it's like, Alison, hi, it's Liam Neeson here. And, you know, he sounds like (laughs) he's so good. I think I should make it into a voice key ring. But he was gorgeous because they all gave me some money for the film. Uh, because of her, she was so special. So no, Hillary came on board at the end, and will be involved in, you know, stuff coming up to the Good Friday agreement stuff. And they really loved the film and just said, "Look, we'd like to help you get it out there in America and do what we can." And you know, so everyone has been so kind. I mean, the amount of people that came along and local people who helped me fundraise and people who gave me stuff. I mean, it's. It was Lyra. She she left, you know, she came into your life and affected you. And everyone I called went, yeah, she was amazing. And then people who've left the cinema always say, I wish I'd met her. I just wish I'd have spent some time with her. I just missed her. You know, so that's nice. Thank, thank you so much for your time and for your movie and for being here with me. No, thank you so much. Lovely to speak to you. 
Thank you so much to director Allison Miller. The film is Lyra. And thank you so much for listening. Pop Culture Confidential is a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs)